All right, so this is why we root the uh, the show about the fan experience. I'm Eric Mack. What's up, Eric? I'm Ned. And this is Ned Doherty. And we have kind of a, a, a darker topic to discuss today. Darker but important. Yeah. Uh, it has to do with uh, Baylor University, which uh, is a pretty important football school in Waco, Texas, uh, Baptist University. Uh, and over the last decade, they've um, they've been – They've had quite the winning college football program. Yeah, they were kind of a nobody in college football, playing against the likes of Texas, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, um, Missouri, Nebraska. Like they were, they were the Big Twelve. Yeah, they they couldn't really compete too much. Um, I think their last before this recent run of success, I think their last conference title was like early '80s. So yeah, they're a new program on a casual sports fans radar notably produced a uh, Heisman trophy winner and Robert Griffin, the third yep. about five years ago. Yep. So, uh, but they've had, uh, issues off the field in the last few years. Yeah. So the easiest context to put this in for the casual fan out there or someone who's interested in this story is that just this last week, uh, the president of the university, Kenneth star of, um, prosecuting the Clintons over Whitewater fame. Only one Clinton, to be fair. I guess, yeah, just just <laughs> Slick Willie. Yeah. Um, so Kenneth Starr was the president of Baylor University. He was just forced to step down from that role. I don't think he's done working with the university, but he's no longer the president. And the coach that brought this program to prominence, Art Bryles, um, he's been recruiting great players from the state of Texas, and those players are no longer going to the University of Texas or A&M. They're coming to play in Waco for this program that's coming out of nowhere, and they're a perennial top 10 team now. Um, that coach, Art Bryles, was just fired this week. Right, and that was after um, – all this actually went down in the courts last fall, and uh, a few different players were, were charged with uh, – sexual assault at least one was charged with sexual assault and convicted and we think it's pronounced sam ukwachu yeah um, and some background on that player uh ukwachu was a freshman all-america player at boise state mm -hmm. under the program of chris peterson um and um if you want to edit it in or not um once we check it i think that chris peterson is now the coach at Washington uh, or University of Washington. Right, yeah. So he left Boise State after this. And Ukwachu was accused of sexual assault up in Boise State. He's a Texas uh, high school star, went to Boise State to play for Chris Peterson. And um, I don't, I think that they just, I don't even think there was, a, he was ever officially kicked off the team, but he tried to transfer out mm -hmm. and he transfers to Baylor and doesn't ever play on the team, doesn't set foot on the field because the October that he gets on campus, he rapes a soccer player for the University of Baylor. And so that would be October of 2014 by um, the beginning of this past football season. He was convicted in a court that he did that crime and he raped this woman and he was put in jail and has some sizable probation and community service after that. But that's not the only one with similar problems in the program, right? Yeah. So there have been other players in the under Bryles who have um, been 
accused of this, and it's a pretty serious black eye for a Christian university like Baylor. It's a Baptist flagship university. Waco is a very uh, Christian town um, in relation to that. An example of how this town is changing, it's a city, how the city is changing with this program. Um, The city of Waco helped the university build this new stadium for the football team with $260 million of public funds, which is very rare that like you wouldn't get like the city of state college to help fund improvements for Penn state's football stadium or Gainesville in Florida for the Gators, um, Tallahassee, Florida state. Like that's, it's really odd that the municipality would rally around a um, the university like that right. goes to show how important football is in Texas as a baseline and then how important good football is to a place like Baylor and Waco and emerging into a competitive landscape with the big boys like University of Texas. Right. And so where we are now, um, like eight months later, is that the the university actually hired a, a third party uh, investigative service to to look into the way that these things were handled um, by the administration, uh, and their findings were basically not good, and that's that's what led to demoting Ken Starr from president of the university and and, and firing uh, Coach Bryles. Yeah, so we have to keep in mind that at the beginning of this past football season, the 2015-2016 season, Baylor begins their fall schedule amid this controversy that their player who transferred from a school where he was already um, um, accused of a crime like this comes to Baylor. He's not quite on the team yet, but they're hoping he's going to play because he's a monster defensive player. But before the season gets underway, he goes under this trial and gets convicted of this crime. And the whole time, from what I understand, from looking at um, our Daily Bears, which is a Sports Nation blog for the Baylor sports community, um, people were pissed that Art Bryles would even be um, under scrutiny for the actions of this player. Um, And part of the controversy there is that the media asked Art Bryles at the beginning of the season, like, so you had to have heard that you had this accusation at Boise State that he's got this violent past, and he essentially pawned it off on Chris Peterson and right. said, nope, Boise State never told us. Right. Um, there's been a lot of good investigative reporting on this from Texas Monthly and a little bit from Sports Illustrated, where um, something I saw today in researching this was that the Florida Gators were another place where uh, this player almost went from Boise State, and they didn't pursue bringing him into the university because of what happened at Boise state. So in this day and age of like the way that people are recruited, the way that you might sacrifice what a person brings to the table, the baggage that a player has, uh, you might sacrifice that in the name of the program to stay competitive that art Bryles wouldn't have known that from Boise state. It's just kind of a silly, like washing of the hands. Like, no, what was I supposed to know? Boise state didn't tell me. Um, so that was the first thing that was really fishy. But at the beginning of the season, the Baylor faithful was definitely in the Bryles camp and they were anxious to just sort of say like, let's put that behind us new season. Let's get going. Let's get behind the bears. Um, and there really wasn't much talk about it beyond that. That's, I think the nature of sports media coverage that, um, 
it was an ugly story. It was covered well, but then once the season gets going, it's sort of like, all right, we can start focusing on what's going on in the field. So then I guess the question is, um, you know, as fans, and we're not really Baylor fans, but if we were Baylor fans, I mean, is there any sort of a role for fans to play? Because, I mean, you can kind of sit back, and especially now, because now the the headlines that are continuing to roll out every day is that um, recruits are now pulling out from going to Baylor, you know, because you know these, these kids coming out of high school or transferring, they don't want to be associated with this program, and so they're not going – they're not. They're not going to be going there. So I mean, has justice actually been been done? I mean, a guy committed a crime. He's in jail. Um, a program that did cover it up a little bit and didn't really pursue their end of their responsibility. Didn't do anything about his crime. Yeah, they. I mean, the coaches. That, the, that person is gone. Coaches out. The president. <laughs> the president. The ironic president, <laughs> Ken Starr, given, uh, you know, that he prosecuted a, a a president a sitting president for sexual misdeeds and then apparently oversaw you know failing to protect <laughs> anyway yeah. uh so what does this mean i the way that i'm looking at this um you asked me if we were going to bring up penn state mm-hmm. and i just have the penn state situation is a little bit different because it was um inexcusable for different reasons the way that the university and the and the and the program protected an individual who was a criminal and a pedophile um for many years and now that there's levels yeah and almost to like there's a lot of people who have done some reporting that it went to like the attorney general in the state of pennsylvania as well so that is a whole different can of worms i think a lot of people understood that problem at penn state as okay, is this a watershed moment where major college football is going to stop thinking about the money that bowl games and success bring into the university and start being universities again where people feel safe, female athletes are protected, mm-hmm. um, male athletes are held accountable and not protected, um, the largely adult white male men who run these programs and these universities are also held accountable in the name of their student body and the prestige that we give them. So if Penn state was supposed to be a watershed moment, that's, we now know that's not the case because five years later, um, another scandal breaks out at a huge university, a a program that's trying to compete. And I think the implication is knowing that they were doing something wrong in the name of being a competitive team um, and striving for that national championship. So is justice served? Yeah. I mean, in this case, justice is served, but what kind of ripple effect is this going to have? Because there are, there are similar allegations at the university of Tennessee right now going on. And what, what is going to happen with that football program, self-imposed sanctions or um, NCAA coming down on them or that coach being removed. Um, I saw today on a Power Forward, which is a website that I think is the the journalist has done doing it, but it's PWD um, or PWRFWD.com. She had a running list as a woman from Austin, Texas. Maybe you can edit in her name at the end. She had a running list of like from the 70s, the um, rape accusations against major college football players. Um, it's a sobering list. We'll say sexual assault to have a bigger umbrella of the offenses, but 
is justice served? I don't know because I I don't I don't think that um, college football programs are gonna set integrity first. Uh, we haven't seen evidence of that going back to the seventies, and I don't think we'll see that going forward. As long as those schools can get the money from the NCAA and TV contracts um, and not pay their players. Um, I, I don't, I don't see that anything's really going to change in the landscape of sports. It's uh, Jessica Luther, by the way. Um, and that's a great website. I was digging around on, uh, her reportage earlier today. So in terms of what's going on at Baylor right now in the aftermath, um, I'm really thankful for this because I saw black shoes diary or black shoe diary, um.com. It's a, the Penn state football players all used to wear black shoes. Um, that sports nation blog for the Penn state sports community. Um, they are still, they're largely not anymore, but they were really adamant that Paterno had done nothing wrong years into the process and investigation of, of why he left the program in the way that he did. People still say that, right? Yeah. Pennsylvania is still very divided over that. Um, which is an unfortunate thing because it masks once again, like the fact that football is more important than the lives of us. Right. Um, at Baylor on our daily bear, I've noticed that in my poking around on that website and in the comment sections, um, they are really, they're really disappointed and sad that this is the state of their sports culture. Um, going back to a really ugly situation with the Baylor basketball team in the early two thousands. I don't right. know if you saw that. Like, I, did, yeah. I mean, a, a player murdered a different player and the coach tried to paint the the kid who was killed as a drug dealer, even though the coach was paying his scholarship money, just really ugly stuff um, leading up to this. So these last 10 years, I think the Baylor community is really taking a look in the mirror of like, what kind of Christian university is this? Right. What kind of town are we? Um, we need to step up and and find somebody to lead this program with integrity. And we need to be willing to be a shitty football team. If that's the case, really refreshing to hear that from a sports fan base. Cause I think that the Penn state fan base, um, hasn't recovered mentally or spiritually because they're that healing is going to come from the football team being good again. Mm. If that makes sense. Uh, I'm not speaking for every Pennsylvanian when I say that, but it's, that's the sense that I get. People are, once that football team is good and better and back at the top echelon of sports, we can finally put that behind us. Right. But until that moment happens, we're not good because of all that shit in the past. And that's really problematic. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, if, if that particular team ever became dominant again, then you would also have people saying, it it may be a little less safe now <laughs> just because i mean isn't it i mean it, it really comes down to there's a lot of money and power absolutely in college sports and college sports are especially weird just because of the way the money doesn't flow in natural ways with mm -hmm. the players not being paid and totally. uh you know money coming from different sources including you know parents and alumni and it's very there's and a not, lot of not an equitable distribution among the academic programs offered by that right. school largely just fed back into the sports machine right and the ncaa not exactly a a strong governing body <laughs> certainly not uh -huh. yeah and so going back let's look at it this way too so the coach the basketball coach in 2003 dave bliss was the baylor university basketball coach who 
tried to cover up the murder of one of his former players Mm -hmm. from one of his other players. Um, He was almost immediately hired by a school called Southern Christian University. And I think that there was a quote on um, Sports Nation today in the timeline of these events that said, um, we're hiring Dave Bliss because he exemplifies the type of Christian attitude that we want out of our coach. I mean, Art Bryles is going to get hired again. Art Bryles didn't um, co- didn't cover up a murder. Um, it seems like he was a little lax in his handling of recruiting and um, and enforcing the Christian standard that Baylor would right. have for a professor, right. would have for um, a janitor, would have for a student. Um, he's going to get hired again. That he's going to be a he's going to be the type of guy where. Next year, he'll probably not coach this year. I can't imagine he has um, the opportunity to get into a program now. We've got three months before opening weekend. He's definitely going to be a person that is going to be all over the job hunts for the next big coach at the next big program. Ultimately, it really doesn't matter what he did or that he got fired. In five years, the, the narrative will be, if he takes that program, program X into the next echelon of college sports, they're going to focus on his comeback story of how he came back and he's, he's led and he's learned so much from his experience. Um, we'll largely forget about Sam Ochefu. Um, I think I just butchered his name. What we won't remember about the young girl, uh, the young woman, the female athlete for the soccer team who, um, missed her season because of that rape, and the torture and torment of having to deal with that moving forward for her life. But Art Bryles is going to make millions of dollars somewhere. Um, does that matter? Dave Bliss is still a college coach, or at least he was immediately after what he did. So a Christian university can sort of corral its morals and put basketball ahead of that or football ahead of that. And, um, and that's never going to stop, I guess. That's that's why I brought up the Penn State thing. People mm-hmm. thought like, hopefully, okay, now programs will police themselves. Um, and not to get political, but like BP oil has a huge spill in 2010. Um, you know, a, the capitalist mentality is like, okay, BP and other oil companies are going to start policing themselves. They're going to get better at regulating what they do because that's what's going to, that's what's important to people. They shouldn't be doing business in a way that's going to be detrimental to the environment or risky, or um, that should be the way that people run their college football programs. But we're, this is a great example of why that's not the case. Well, it's about like creating uh, a culture and a culture that revolves around uh, a certain, a certain amount of integrity, right? Which, I mean, and I, you know, I think it's really easy to be cynical about that. I mean, I, I played on sports teams and this is in, in high school where, you know, there's supposed to be certain standards, you know, with grades, you know, you have to be eligible to play and get certain grades. And I mean, I saw coaches, you know, try to work around that to, to get, you know, good athletes on the field, even though they hadn't earned the grades. And I mean, this is at like, we're talking about 10th graders. So right, you weren't bringing any money into the, uh. In the high school, either with that exactly, team. it was it was literally about one coach's job, probably. Yeah, um, and maybe a six thousand dollars stipend for that individual. So at that level, it's really like the innermost workings of competitiveness and yeah. the fierceness and wanting to be better. And if you're going to invest your time in something like that, you you want the fruits of your labor to be something you're proud of. 
Um, but yeah, you get to that next level college football where even D3, I'm sure there are problems with sexual assault and players falling out of line with what you hope your student athletes exemplify. But when your program knows you are bringing in a sexual assault, a player who has sexually assaulted a person at their previous school, um, yeah, what what about integrity? I mean, we can say that it matters in sports, but it, it, uh, there's a lot of cases where it doesn't. Right, and I mean, I don't think I want to go there. Actually, what were you gonna say? I mean, you know, there, there's a tendency anytime you have like a you know a, a team atmosphere where you're supposed to take care of your teammates, and like, where do you draw the line? Obviously, we would agree that you draw the line well before covering up anything that we've discussed today. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, the line could get gray where like maybe you're out at a bar and a teammate gets into a fight and punches are thrown and there are assault charges that could be pressed possibly. Do you, I mean, how do you, how do you handle something like that? I think in those situations you see, um, you see a lot of players get suspended for games at a time. Yeah. And there are programs that have um, set their players for bowl games. Um, nobody comes to mind at the moment, but I'm a big 10 school. I want to say Michigan state may have just done that this past year uh, with their team. So there are coaches who hold a line. Um, yeah. There are, ca- there are coaches out there Yeah, who college football is not a monster. Right. I mean, there are coaches out there who like, players get a speeding ticket they might be suspended totally they might miss a game and that's what that's what it was that why it was so heartbreaking at penn state because that's what joe paterno represented to an entire two million person alumni um and even people who didn't like penn state respected the program because that was the type of person he wanted from his team and that he seemed to be for the rest of the world so that's why it was such a devastating blow to so many people's like sports psyche and what it means to be just what it means to be a stand up citizen. And then that idea of like what you're saying, I don't think I, I'm glad you brought that up because um, it's really easy. That gray area is one thing when you're in the team dynamic, but then what are we doing as fans to be scrupulous in how we see our heroes or our teams and sort of take the step back and say, um, it's, it's one woman that this man hurt, but that's, that's, that's the line that's fucked up enough. I don't want to root for a team that he's playing on. Right. And we often, as the, as the satellites around these programs or these franchises become blind to these issues. And so, yeah, that's an interesting play of like where the spectrum of gray that a team operates in to protect each other and move toward their goal of winning. But then us, how do we consume this team? How do we support it? How do we name what happens in the aftermath? Like Penn state fans did like Baylor fans are now doing. Um, it's a fascinating study in psychology and group dynamics. And I would love to get to the point where, um, like Cowboys fans protest going to the stadium because their team is giving Greg Hardy multi-million dollar contracts. He's I not- was just thinking about Greg Hardy because growing up, I mean, I was kind of a, a secondary Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. I was a big Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin 
like they were they were so much fun to watch and you know they were they were my second team behind the Broncos but uh I mean Jerry Jones I'm not I can't be a fan <laughs> when, when he brings in guys like that or even considers it and he's he's not back there anymore but I but mean, it, it, it was such a it had to have been such a distraction for that team like talk about protecting your team in that gray area of how you operate like signing a guy who's out of jail for brutally beating his his partner like and you just brush that under the rug you force everybody top to bottom because this is an owner right you're like yeah he can do whatever he wants the nfl doesn't have a policy against once they've served their time he's you know he didn't get kicked out of the league um so yeah he can he can choose to hire that guy and pay him millions of dollars um but as a fan base what do we do about that do we do we call him out do we protest do we not go to games do we just swallow it and say I don't like that player, but I like everybody else. I think you can freeze a team out for a period, you know? I mean, if if you're a fan and there's stuff going on that you don't uh, agree with, I don't know that you have to continue to support that product. You you don't have to, um, but people do. I would bet that the Cowboys made just as much or more money this year, even in a – maybe not because they were 4-12 and 12, unrelated to Hardy's performance. But that, that – those the stadium was sold out every right. game probably like so yes you have that option but i think that's the problem with sports culture that's why we we have this podcast like we don't do that we don't have those lines where we say all right i'm done for a year till this guy leaves the team i i can't support this right um yeah i mean it it it's something that i would be interested to see more of in terms of uh you know c- fans kind of raising each other's awareness it doesn't seem uh doesn't seem likely, but who knows? Yeah, we'll see. Um, I know that I'm a much different college football fan in light of what happened at Penn State and how big and disgusting that cover-up was and those crimes were that Jerry Sandusky committed. So it's really hard to give a shit about Penn State football anymore. Um, and it's easy to say because they're not good, but it's just it's it's dirty now it's not the same it's it's something from my childhood that you got to kill your darlings and move on with your life and um yeah so i i do that that's why i'm maybe we should start calling this why we root um stories of fan consciousness (laughs) not the fan experience because i hope that we can get to that point where we move beyond just blind consumption of the entertainment value or the group think mentality um, of the 80,000 people doing the same thing you are. Um, it's a beautiful thing. Penn State is still a great place. Um, but I, I've changed. So, I mean, I have people in my in my life who would go go even even further to say, like, you know, like, why? how could you even support the the sport? You know, because these, these problems are probably a lot more endemic than we even realize. Totally. That's a great point. So, you know, why? I mean, why even watch college football at all? Yeah, I mean, there's there besides just sexual assault and um, program cover-ups, um, the money involved in it has really changed what it means to be a student athlete and should the student athletes get paid. There are a ton of problems with with the sport and how we consume it and the 24-hour sports news cycle that supports it and doesn't ask these questions. Um, college sports is particularly problematic because I think you, I think fans have like the least influence there. 
just in terms of because of where the money comes from. It could be true. Yeah. Cause like the final four brings in so much money for those schools and like maybe 200 students go to it, but the TV deals, those 80,000 person stadiums for a basketball game are going to sell out no matter right. who's in it. Yeah. You might be right about that. I've never thought of it that way. Well, I mean, the bottom line, I mean, in pro sports, the bottom line, really, if you want to get down to the bottom line, it's TV deals, at least in the U S with the right. four major sports. And that's obviously that's all about fans. Um, so fans really have a lot of the power in the pro sports, but in college is a lot muddier because the bottom line is actually about enrollment. Right. Um, is it, but you're right. It, it, it is to the people who are at the very top. That's why, I mean, that's why a president was able to be demoted that's true. in this yeah. case was because the board above him was like, Hey, we're in business. We're still a school. We're mm -hmm. still in business for students. Right. Um, so I don't know. College is, yeah, particularly like perplexing animal. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, going back to why I even root at all, I mean, it goes, it, it's people's identity is related to where they're from, where they had their formative experiences for college. Um, that tribe that you then belong to is an important part of someone's adult makeup, where they decide to live, how they decide to live their life. Um, so sports, if you go to a school like Penn State and you get sucked up in it, you're you're never not a Penn Stater in that regard. Um, right. I had a really rare opportunity to be on kind of the opposite side of that with um, some things that happened in my alma mater in the fall. And um, oh, right, with Mizzou, with Mizzou, the University of Missouri. None of these things really rise to the level of sexual assault, I don't think, but they're pretty close. Um, in which uh, the football team actually uh, was on the verge of going on strike. Uh, because of um, some racial issues that weren't being dealt with very well on campus. Uh, and having spent three years on that campus, I definitely believe that those issues exist, and I don't think they were overstating it. Hmm. Um, so that was kind of interesting to um, see the football team actually used as a vehicle for activism and, yeah. and trying to bring about yeah, really fascinating. Change. And then their well-paid white coach stood behind them and said, right. yeah, I, I, I believe in you, you gentlemen making this decision. And if you want to strike, I'm with you. Yeah. The, uh, the protest went to weird places beyond that. But, and, um, and the way that the media covered it relied on those weird places rather than to like really analyze the power of what happened there in some ways. Yeah. It, it, I think it goes to a, a whole other, um, conversation about what life on campus is like now that's right. like a whole other a can of worms but yeah but still the the idea of actually the football team actually um really being used as uh, a vehicle for protest itself was interesting yeah. and not really something you see like hardly at all no and the president of the university of missouri stepped down right um so and 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 it it really you know, this thing had been building for, for weeks and weeks. And, and probably really, generations too. In some well, ways. yeah. And I mean, it really, I don't think anything was going to happen until the football team got involved. And again, you know, this is, um, you know, uh, it brings a lot of money into Mizzou. Uh, and the way I heard the story told and reported was that once the football team was on board with uh, these student protests, the governor of Missouri put in a call 
to the president was like, it's time. There you go. Because yeah. we still have to root for them on Saturday. Like what would the consequence would have been they forfeit a game right. and they make a huge political stink of the rest of the season. Like you could paint that as like, oh, these kids will just take their scholarships and or we'll do something to placate them. But um, who cares if they play or not? Yeah. No, we need those kids to play. I mean, so it's interesting, you know, that being a public university, it really did rise to the highest levels in that state. Yeah, it's a great um, point. So, you know, I mean, maybe there's, it would it would be interesting to see, you know, to see more of that in the future, uh, to, to see, you know, teams actually um, raising consciousness like that. I don't know how likely it is, but we have at least one example. Yeah, yeah. Um, that might be worth exploring deeper with get some first person narratives of what was going on in that locker room at Mizzou yeah, no and, and what'll happen in Baylor, um, uh, or at, with that program, um, what they're going to do this year. And I'm sure kids are going to leave. I don't think I've heard of players who are currently on the team leaving. Um, no. and I know that they've lost some recruits, but it's not the end of the world at Baylor. Um, football wise, it's easy to say like, oh, it's not the end of the world you know, there's criminals in jail because of what they did. That's should be in, in the forefront, but we'll see. Baylor should be not as good. Right. Will that matter? Will that push people to start appreciating the traditions around the team rather than the success of the team? Cause I think that's, that's something about college sports is that there's only one champion, but even if your team sucks, you go to those games, you're part of something bigger than you are generations long. Um, and you can root for like the Colorado Buffaloes because it's something that everybody's done in, in Colorado for so long, even though they're never that good. But when you start sacrificing, Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> so when you start sacrificing how good your team should be for the morals that you have and the, and the traditions that you hope to maintain. Um, yeah. That's when it starts to get dark. Boom. Any final, any final thoughts? I suppose those were the final thoughts. Yeah, I think I'll leave it there. All right. Thanks for your time, Eric. Gracias. And one quick update before we go. Uh, the Patreon page is live now. You can go to patreon.com forward slash why we root. And that's the place where you can make a donation or a recurring pledge um, to support the show. Anything from a dollar on up. Um, you can see the different levels there. Um if you come in at, at our highest level, we'll actually even uh, interview you on the show about what it means to you to be a fan. And there's also opportunities to uh, get in on our newsletter and a bunch of interesting stuff that's going to be coming down the pike. Uh, but most of all, uh, supporting us through Patreon supports some projects we've got coming up uh, and much more. So keep checking back on the feed, Why We Root on iTunes. We're going to be continuing to put out new stuff for you guys. Thanks for listening. For Ned Doherty, I'm Eric Mack.